Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Join Josh and Chuck, the guys who bring you stuff you should know, as they take a trip around the world to help you get smarter in a topsy-turvy economy. Check out the all-new Super Stuff Guide to the Economy from HowStuffWorks.com, available now exclusively on iTunes. Breaker Breaker 1-9, this here is Tech Stuff. Okay, I'm sorry. My name is Chris Bullett. I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And with me, as usual, and looking a little disgruntled, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. 10-4. <laughs> Smokey's on my tail. <laughs> so as you can probably guess, we're going to talk about Citizens Band Radio. Yeah, actually, uh, we have an email from a listener that that sort of feeds us into this. So if you don't mind, I'd like to start off with a little listener mail. Okay, now you're punishing me, aren't you? Yes, it's all your fault. <clears throat> so, dear Chris and Jonathan, I love your podcast, although it makes me feel like a geek sometimes. Join the club. There's an <laughs> old communication technology called CB radio. It used to be really popular way back then. It is still used by truckers and bus drivers. I was wondering, how do CB radios work? Can you still buy them these days? Can you build a CB radio? And last but not least, do you need a license for a CB radio? Thanks for your time and for the great podcast. I wish you the best of luck. Sincerely, Kush. Um, first of all, when you say way back then and an old communication technology, you're making Paulette and I feel a little decrepit. Since I was old enough to uh, remember when Convoy came out. And I have s- used a CB radio before. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so moving on, now that we've gotten past that little <laughs> that little hurdle. As, uh, as Chris pointed out, CB radio, it stands for Citizens Band Radio. So one thing we can get out of the way right off the top, you do not need a license to operate one. That's true. Although I believe you might have a long time ago, back when they were popular. Or more popular. You, because one of the, the. Back when dinosaurs roamed oh, the highways, stop. like me and you. You know, the listener's right though, uh, because CBs actually had their genesis in the forties. Yeah. Started in 1947 when the, uh, Federal Communications Commission opened up the UHF frequencies of, uh, 460 to 470 megahertz. And, uh, I didn't realize, you know, because I was around in the seventies and I do remember when they were so popular. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have imagined that they were that old, that they were being used back then, but yeah, they were. Yeah. It really does seem like something that's, that really fits in the era of the seventies. I mean, that's when I think CB radio, I think traveling down the highway on, you know, yeah. 77, 78, something like that. Yeah. Um, so, but they're radios. They are, they're radios and it's, it's. The Citizens Band Radio Service, this is quoting directly from the FCC. Okay. It's a private two-way voice communication service for use in personal and business activities of the general public. Its communications range is from one to five miles. And um, the band spans between 26.965 megahertz and 27.405 megahertz. Mm-hmm. So that's your that's your basic range of frequencies that these radios work on. Uh and as I mentioned a private two-way voice communication service. This is one of those things where you can't really you can't both talk and listen at the same time. You're either talking or you're listening. 
you can't do both at the same time. You see where I'm going here? Right. So if you get multiple people on a single channel, uh, they, these, these frequencies are divided into channels, 40 of them, in fact. Yep. Um, then it gets really complicated. You, you start to have people drop out. So, pre- you know, preferably you're listening, you might be listening in on a conversation, but you're not necessarily interjecting because you don't want to, you know, screw up and, and accidentally cover up what someone else is trying to say, especially if it's something that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't need a license to, to use these today. Uh, they, and again, quoting from the FCC, license documents are neither needed nor issued and there are no age or citizenship requirements. As long as you use only an unmodified FCC certificated CB unit. <laughs> so that answers another question. Can you build your own? No. no. Not legally. Uh, you could probably figure out how to do it. I mean, we even have an article on the site about how CB antennas work. Right. And you can see how the antenna, you know, how, how long you would need to make the antenna in order to capture these frequencies at the most efficient rate possible. Um, and you know, what it is the antenna does in, in relation to the radio. And we'll probably get into a little bit of that later, but, uh, you, you can't legally make one of these and use it as a, as a citizens band radio. Well, not in, uh, None. To avoid prosecution if you get caught using it. Right, right. And, you know, there are different reasons for that. For one thing, uh, you might end up broadcasting outside of the approved range. Yeah. And yeah. that's a bad thing. Yeah, that's the thing about uh, CB radios, too. Um, there's a lot more information on the FCC's website about it. Uh, you can use them essentially anywhere, but they point out that if you take it outside the United States and use it, if the government of whatever country you're in – uh, restricts those frequencies, you could get yourself in trouble. Yeah. Um, and the reason that, that CB radios, uh, you know, work so well doing what they do, um, you know, used for business and personal communications, that's because those frequencies are specifically set open for that purpose. Nobody can own any of those frequencies. They are for the public. All except, well, sort of channel nine. Yeah. Well, we can get to that in a minute too. Right. But yeah, uh, they, now the FCC will say that you can, technically use the CB radio anywhere in the world. You just have to yeah. be aware of the local laws because it, as Paulette said, if, uh, if they, they set aside those frequencies for something else, obviously you would be interfering with that operation if you were to try and use your CB radio tuned to that frequency. So, you know, just one of those things, like if you're traveling around the world with your CB radio, uh, and 20 foot antenna, then you might want to look into the local laws before you fire that puppy up. You also can't amplify the signal. No, that's true. You definitely cannot do that. Yeah, that that one to five uh, one miles, to five miles. That's which is uh, that's one point six to eight kilometers. Oh, thank you. I'm so sorry that I left off the kilometer <laughs> conversion. <laughs> one point six to eight kilometers. Yeah, it's, it might it might seem like a fairly short range, especially if you think about the uh, quintessential 1970s trucker on the highway thing. Um, like the documentary film Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Smokey and the Bandit 2, Smokey is the Bandit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm starting to think that maybe the uh, range of those communications may have been exaggerated somewhat. Possibly. Um, you know, just going on my memory of that, uh, or my pretend memory, I never saw any of those. Um, <laughs> you are missing out, Paulette. We are having a movie night. Uh, you need to catch up on your documentaries. Yes, my documentaries. Yes. Um, but yeah, if you, if you, um, if you amplify the signal to extend the range, you are, uh, you are violating the certification of your, uh, your CB radio. And there, uh, you know, there are 
still CB radios. Yes. You can buy them. Yes, you can. And I know some people who use them as a form of entertainment whenever they're going on a long road trip. They like to turn on the CB radio and just hear what the chatter is up and down the highway. You, you may have heard some of the, the, the interesting little idiosyncratic things that about CB radio, people who use them. Uh, people tend to adopt a nickname, which, you know, is more commonly referred to as a handle. Um, so, you know, you might have a, a, a handle specific to you that, uh, that has some meaning to you, or maybe it's a little, you know, joke on your name or just a reference to something you like. Uh, and, you know, that's what you go by when you're on the radio. And eventually you could build up a reputation. People would know you by your handle. So when you got on the radio and said, hey, this here is blah, 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 people are like, hey, I know that guy, even though they don't even know your real name. It's kind of an interesting thing. It's very similar to the way that, you know, chat lines started up on the internet. I was going to say it kind of reminds me of IRC. Yeah. Back in the, the days when or I Telnet. used IRC. Back or, in the Telnet chat room days. Or Bitnet Relay, which is the one I'm more familiar with. Right. And, and there are plenty of message boards out there now where people still use, I mean, sure. people use handles on our, uh, on our blogs mm-hmm. to comment. So, you know, this is something that kind of grew out of the, the same sort of, uh, stuff you'd see on the CB radio frequencies. Well, it's fun um, to make up a name. And the government doesn't uh, regulate that either. So right. you can call yourself whatever you like. Whatever you want. Yeah, as long as, you know, I mean, if you if you pick a name that someone else already has, that's usually considered bad form. Yeah. Um, best story about CB radio handles I've ever heard was uh, James Earl Jones. You know, really? he, he got a CB radio. Um, and I don't know, you know, James Earl Jones, he used to have a, a speech impediment. And he, he, um, would, he took speech classes and, and practiced very hard to get rid of the speech impediment. And he found the CB radio to be a, a, a good tool to communicate with people. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was no stress or pressure because there was no face to face. So guess what handle he adopted? I have no idea. Darth Vader. Serious. Yes. I would not. Yes. Really? Yes. I saw the interview. Okay. And he would say, like, he'd get on the, 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 the CB is like, this is Darth Vader. And like everything would go quiet. And then someone eventually <laughs> was like, geez, man, that sounds just like him. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, that or CNN. Yeah. This is CNN or Simba. I am your father. Yeah. Um, but no, the, wow. I can't yeah, believe it. It was a really cool interview. I, right. I, I wish I could remember. It was on some day, daytime talk show while I was, you know, playing hook, <laughs> while I was really, really sick. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so uh, they don't regulate the handles. You can pick whatever you like. They also, you may have heard a lot of the, you know, I said 10-4 at the beginning of the podcast, which right. essentially means I, I have heard and understood what you have just said. Well, I, I had um, the breaker breaker bit. Yeah, yeah. But the, the 10 codes. Yes. Yeah, you know, there's lots and lots of them. There's not, it's not just 10-4. Uh, but those also are not regulated by the FCC. So. Although the, they are, they are generally sort of standardized yeah. with the agencies that use them. Otherwise they wouldn't mean anything to anybody. Yeah, there, there are a ton of them. I've only got, you know, like 10-4 would be message received. Uh, 10-43 is uh, traffic congestion. 10-10 is, is transmission complete as in I am done talking to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also an important one because the FCC regulates how long you should speak on these to any particular person. Yeah, no more than five minutes. Right, because they don't want you to, to hold up that entire channel, you know, for, for more than five minutes. And, uh, I guess it could also just, you know, irritate the heck out of someone who wants to really chat with somebody else and all the other channels are taken. So uh, no filibustering. No filibustering over the CB radio. Please. And you have to, uh, once you're done, you have to wait one minute before you start talking again. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're not supposed to uh, become a chatterbox. So, well, let's see. What else? Uh, I guess we could talk a little bit about the the antennas uh, that I mentioned before. So I always wondered why they were so long. It's uh, you know up until the point where we were researching the podcast right. because I didn't. Know? I honestly didn't know. I Would thought, you like why to talk are those about it? Ginormous antennas. Uh, apparently, it doesn't actually even matter how tall they are on your car or if you have a portable CB, although it does matter if you have it mounted on the side of a house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're actually, from from what I understand from reading our article on the website, um, it has to do with the frequencies on which CB radios transmit. Yes. They're, uh, they're there to sort of optimize sending on particular frequencies. And, of course, each frequency transmits at a slightly different uh, size wavelength. Right. Uh, now somebody's going to call and or write in and correct me on that. I'm sure. No, no, that's right. Oh, okay, good. Because I yeah. always worry. No, the about wavelength that. does okay. does change. But it, but that, and that's the thing is that the uh, antenna um, is sort of an approximation. So it's going to have sort of a sweet spot on yeah. you know yeah. a channel or two, and then sort of do reasonably well for the other channels. Right. Um, so uh, it's, usually you aim for the middle of the band. Yeah, and that, that makes way you, sense. You get the outliers as well. So you're getting what uh, 19, 20, and twenty one, and then everything else. <laughs> the idea here is that um, that ideally your antenna would be the same length as the the wavelength of the the, the radio frequency, frequency you're, you're using, yeah. uh, but that would be problematic because these wavelengths are pretty long. Yeah. Uh, so most antennas end up being a fraction of that wavelength and it's a, a fraction that's easy to deal with like mm-hmm. one half or one quarter or even one eighth again the reason for that is not just because you know the antennas are detecting signals but because they're also having to radiate signals i mean this is this is a, a two-way radio so you're it's both it's got both a receiver and a transmitter yeah it's a transceiver it's a transceiver exactly so in this case your antenna has to be able to emit these Radio frequencies. And it can't be any taller than 20 feet over the top of your house or the tree that it's mounted to, unless you're near an airport. Less than two miles from an airport, it has to be even shorter than that. Yeah, I, I think I would be That's irritated really to see tall. a 20 foot tall. <laughs> That's a really like, tall like, not, not a 20 foot tall, but a, a tower that Hattie. was 20 feet yeah. taller than the house next to it. Right, right. That would, that would, I would find a little bit of an eyesore, I think. Um, and I let a lot maybe, slide. Maybe, yeah. But, uh, Just a little bit. Yeah, so, so what these antenna do is, you know, if, if you're receiving a, a signal, it receives the signal, it converts that to electricity, sends it to the receiver, uh, and then the process is re- reversed when you're transmitting. The transmitter sends electric, uh, an electric signal to the, um, to the antenna, which is then converted into the radio frequency, and then that's emitted out into the ether. Yep. And, uh, goes the one to five miles away. There you go. So I guess that pretty much uh, covers the the mechanics behind CB radios. Yep. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about some of the CB radio lingo that we talked. To, you know, we we kind of got into there a little bit. Um, so yeah, if you ever listen in on a CB radio conversation, it can be very entertaining, and it can also be very cryptic. Because there are a lot of, uh, a lot of slang terms that are thrown around that if you're not familiar with them, you eventually are going to say, what the heck does this mean? But it's, it's just like any other, you know, uh, culture that has its own kind of slang. So, for example, the carny culture, if you're with it and for it, then you know what I'm talking about. Um, if, or even diners, you know, if you want to 86 the ketchup on your burger, you know, that, that means one thing in a diner and may not mean anything to you. Same thing with the CB radio. So here's some of the stuff that uh that you might hear. If you hear any talk about bears, 
they're probably not talking about the large mammal that could eat you and frighten Stephen Colbert. That, uh, that is a grisly thought. Yeah. Uh, I think you just polarized our audience. I imagine I did. So, um, bears are police. Yes. That's, that would be the, 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 the cops, the COP. Um, Smokey also police. Yep. Uh, so, you know, well, Smokey, Smokey the, the bear, bear has a hat that's very similar to state patrol hats. Yep. So that'd be kind of where that came from. Um, and then there's if, the bear in the air. A bear in the air. That would be like mm, a, uh, a helicopter. helicopter. You might also hear astronaut. Mm-hmm. That is often, you know, another term for that kind of thing. Um, bear in the bushes would be, you know, a cop that's kind of laying in wait with a speed trap. Mm-hmm. Um, bear baiting. That would be someone who is driving erratically. You know, it's, they're just, they're just asking, asking to it. get pulled over. Yeah. You know, um, uh, if you were to, uh, if you were to say that you were checking my eyelids for pinholes, it means you're tired. Mm-hmm. Cause the idea here is that your, you know, your eyes are drooping, you're starting to nod off and, oh, no, no, I'm not really closing my eyes. I was just checking my eyelids for pinholes. That's a serious problem. Yeah. No, if that happens, you need to pull over and <laughs> yeah. get a little sleep. If you, uh, if you drop the hammer down, that means you're putting the pedal to the metal, baby. Which means you're pressing the accelerator. It means you are burning rubber. <laughs> you're peeling out. <laughs> Is what you're doing. Answering slang with slang. Uh, if you are, uh, if you say that you, uh, that there's a cheese wagon up ahead, you know what that is? You cheese know, wagon? I think I did it one time, but I don't remember. It's a school bus. Oh, Because it's okay. the color Yellow. of cheese. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so if, if a, uh, a, a school bus is a cheese wagon, what do you think an ambulance would be? Uh, I don't know. Meat wagon. Oh, that's pleasant. Also bone box. <laughs> Box. Uh, if you see shredded tires along the side of the road, you might, uh, you might report that you saw some gator guts. Yep. Uh, if, um, if you receive a driving award, that's a speeding ticket. <laughs> so there are lots of these, these cute little phrases that, uh, that exist out there. Tons and tons and tons of them. There are entire websites dedicated to, explaining CB slang. Slang is fun no matter what you're doing. Yeah, because for one thing, it it makes you feel like you're part of an exclusive group, right? Sure. It makes you sure. feel like, you know, you are included within this group and other people are excluded. Therefore, you are special. Yep. So that's why I happen to know a lot about slang because I like you're to special? feel special. Uh, uh, I like to feel special. Oh, okay. I have no pretense about being special. <laughs> no, I, but I'm able to live with that because I can partition my brain. All right. All right, I, I think I've, I think I've completely exhausted my knowledge of CB radios. Yep, but I want to say, if you have any other technologies like this, um, things that we don't normally talk about. I mean, there's only so many conversations we can have about Twitter. Yes. Um, Ugh. this was a lot of fun to research because you know something that we were both familiar with, but I didn't know you know the ins and outs of of CBs, and you know, well, frankly, I guess I still don't. But it was fun to really get into it and look into the culture and, and some of the stuff. And uh, yeah, so you know, so of please you. write write to us at techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Yeah, that'd be great because that this was a lot of fun. It was. I, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. If you guys have any other like, there's just this this technology that everyone used to use, and no one does now. But I kind of want to know how it works. Let us know because sure. that. We love to learn about stuff like that. Yeah, or, you know, I can have another Amiga podcast and talk about that for another hour and a half. Yeah, which <laughs> is cool because I don't even have to show up that day. <laughs> uh, but you know what that brings us to? Uh-oh. Listener mail! You thought you were going to get away with just one. Yeah. No. So, here we go. So <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> hey, 
guys, I just finished listening to your podcast regarding how 911 technology works. Last week, I also listened to your podcast regarding GPS games, and it reminded me of a humorous story that I read about several years ago when I was kind of getting into geocaching. There's a famous, or perhaps infamous, story about a guy who was geocaching in a swampy area near his community when he became lost. This guy forgot to mark his vehicle as a waypoint on his GPS receiver so that he would be able to find his car after locating his cache. This is particularly important when you are caching in an undeveloped area with no discernible trails or pathways, as it can be easy to get turned around and lose track of where you are parked. Anyway, after a few unsuccessful hours of trying to find his vehicle, he resorted to his last resort of using his cell phone to call 911. As geocaching lore would have it, he reported his emergency by saying that he was lost, but he knew exactly where he was. I guess the fire department came and were able to locate him with the latitude and longitude coordinates that he gave the 911 operator, and he was successfully rescued. Anyway, I thought this was a humorous story that tied in two of your recent podcasts and thought your other listeners might get a kick of the story. Tony from Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, thanks a lot, Tony. I got a kick out of that. Yeah, I lo- uh... It sounds like something I would say on nearly a daily basis. I'm lost, but I know exactly where I am. <laughs> And it seems like the kind of thing that it would be really easy to do because you got the GPS and you figure, well, I'm safe. I know exactly where I am. And then you realize that, you know, you're lost. So it's, it's, uh, it just shows, shows what happens when we rely too much on technology yeah. and not enough on common sense. Yeah. Or, you know, a simple compass. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks a lot, Tony. That was a great email. Yeah. If you guys want to send us, as Paulette mentioned, uh, if you want to send us any email about old technologies or new ones as well that you want to hear about, that would be techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Remember, we have blogs. You can access those at howstuffworks.com. Look on the right-hand side. You'll see the links there. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?